You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 72, April 4th, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. Hi, this is Chris Artinian, president and CEO of Condado Tacos, and you're listening to Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome back to the tech chef, where we're turning up the heat on all things hospitality and food service technology related. This is your host, Skip Kimple, and you have found a podcast that needs to be your go to weekly source for fresh insight and innovative strategies that will help you savor success in your industry. Whether you're new to the kitchen or a devoted fan, we're excited to serve you a delectable feast of knowledge that will tantalize your taste buds and ignite your creativity. So grab your apron and get ready to learn. We're ready to cook up something amazing together. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button and join us for future episodes packed with insider tips and tasty insights. I have an unbelievable treat for you here today with another industry rock star. The man that I've always heard many times before to have the Midas touch because he has the reputation that everything he touches turns to gold. At this point, you're probably saying to yourself, who is this person? Well, today, the one and only Chris Artinian joins us to talk about technology through the years and his personal formula for a successful organization. Chris serves as the president and CEO of Condado Tacos and Tequila, an emerging next-gen growth brand that specializes in tacos, margaritas, and tequilas with expansion plans to expand up to 100 company-owned and operated restaurants by 2026 as it expands to many new markets. Chris has over 30 years of restaurant and retail experience with both private and public companies and has extensive experience in restaurant and consumer services. Chris joined Condado Tacos to partner with the team in charting the next phase of growth. He continues to serve as an operating director at the Beekman Group, and prior to that, led 2J's Gourmet Deli, serving as the company's president and chief executive officer. He also served as the president and CEO of Smoky Bones, and previously was the president and CEO of Morton's Steakhouse, the largest fine dining brand in the world. Chris was a success story at Morton's, starting in a back-of-the-house kitchen position and rising through the ranks to eventually become the CEO of this leading publicly traded steakhouse. Throughout his career, Chris Artinian has been recognized for leveraging his deep operational experience in developing winning strategies and exceptional teams. Passionate about the restaurant business, Chris has provided key insight and commentary on the industry to numerous media outlets, including CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg News, and is a sought-after guest speaker and panelist for industry conferences and events. If anybody has industry chops, I can think of no better to bring on this show. We have some amazing conversation around some of the key elements he looks for and corrects when being involved with a new organization. Obviously, he's always been brought in to identify inefficiencies and other operational issues. 
make course corrections, and create a plan to take that company to the next level. A key factor of this is based around technology in today's world. Trust me, Chris can talk technology, and I was fascinated in our engaging conversation. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy, and make sure you have a pen and paper handy to take some notes. You're about to hear from one of the industry greats. You have been in the business for quite some time. Can you talk me through your career in the food industry? Sure. Um, yeah, it's been 30 years. It's, uh, it's been a, a really exciting run. And, um, you know, I, I started as a, as a pantry cook um, for 13 an hour in New York City uh, for a, a company called Morton Steakhouse. And uh, it's a part of a longer story, but it was a career change at the time. I worked in restaurants um, as a teenager and then went to school and um, came out of school and started selling, you know, life insurance and investments, believe it or not, um, and uh, worked in restaurants, for, you know, for extra money and uh, just because it worked so well in college, et cetera. About two years in, I realized that my passion for hospitality far outweighed um, the passion that I had uh, for doing some of the, the, the financial work I was in at the time, and I made a career change, and I started with Morton's at Chomp It Onions um, mm. in the pantry and um, spent 17 years there, uh, great mentorship um, in any way that you could imagine from training, uh, relationships, um, from the CEO to um, every direct report and peer that I had uh, had a hand in my development in those 17 years. It was really the formative part of my career. So I worked every position uh, through CEO in the end. Well, um, you know, and I think that's an important fact because some of the most successful uh, leaders I've seen in the restaurant industry, they have come up from the bottom all the way up. They've worked all the positions and they understand the complexities, the, the intricacies of, you know, how these people think, you know, what their job entails. Sure. You need to sure. be able to stand in their shoes. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's a, it's a source of real pride. It's also a source of confidence. Um, you know, this business is tough, and when you able, are able to lead and speak from experience and, and actually use a phrase or um, use context uh, with folks of why we're going to get through this and how we're going to get through this, whether it be an opportunity or an exciting time or just change. Um, and you can imagine in 30 years, uh, all I've ever seen in, is change, and communicating that and when folks know that you've been in the trenches uh, from holding a knife to waiting tables to managing people and um, et cetera, et cetera, um, there's a credibility that comes along with that that makes it a little bit easier. And, and folks are a little bit more willing to um, accept it at, at its face and, uh, uh, you know, brings a little credibility. Um, but it's, 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 it's served me well, um, but the business has served me well as well. Now, stopping there at Morton's just for a second before yeah. we continue, you worked with a very good friend of mine and my first boss in the restaurant industry, Ron Danilla, um, over at Morton's. And yeah. I give him credit for my rapid success in the industry over the years. He really pushed me out of the nest very early and made sure that I was connecting with the right people. And obviously, that came down from your leadership as well. Mm. And uh, so I just thought that was interesting that we had that connection. Yeah. Ron is a great guy. Oh, Ron's terrific. Um, 
frankly, spoke to him just a couple weeks ago. It had been a minute since we, we had connected. But it's a great part about our industry. I mean, Ron uh, being an outstanding CFO um, in the restaurant industry, but he's been around restaurants and hospitality his whole life. And, and you know, it's interesting. What's been great for me to have Ron as a partner over the years um, when we worked together was he, he really had that restaurant gene in him um, and uh, was able to apply sort of the business principles along with hospitality. Um, and, you know, I think we were able to do some pretty cool things together at Morton's. Well, Ron's going to get a big boost in his social media post this week. Oh, uh... please. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's okay. You're welcome, Ron. <laughs> exactly. So after Morton's, where did you head off to? So, you know, we sold Morton's in 2012. Uh, you know, we were a public company and um, uh, went to Landry's. So it left me with an opportunity to see what was next. And uh, I ended up staying, you know, Morton's was private equity owned uh, the entire time. And that experience has really turned out to be really invaluable. So after Morton's, I stayed around the private equity community and did some uh, work um, for a couple other firms. Um, did some work with Smoky Bones. Uh, did some you know, they, right after they had uh, been acquired by Sun Capital. I did some turnaround uh, work with them, and um, worked with Two uh, J's uh, Deli Bakery Restaurant out of Florida. It was owned by Branford Castle at the time, another private equity firm that was a smaller family fund at one time. Um, and then I, you know, took on. Uh, Several consulting jobs and uh, interim roles as a CEO um, in helping either a transition strategy or sometimes uh, putting in um, some work to um, put in some systems and process while recruiting for a, a new CEO, uh, but all around the private equity space. And then I connected and did some work with the Beekman Group out of New York. Um, and eventually went to work for them full-time um, as a managing director and led the um, consumer group with a special focus on restaurants for three years. And that was really exciting. Looked at about 100, 150 restaurant deals a year. Wow. Uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, still have a tremendous partnership with, with Beekman. As a matter of fact, uh, um, in that experience, I had actually um, I identified Condado as a great in Condado tacos and mm -hmm. tequila as a great investment, and led the deal for Condado um, with the Beekman Group. When we closed on it in 2020, it was uh, one of one of the largest deals Beekman had ever done. And then COVID hit. Um, <laughs> oh boy! And a little bit of panic, but um, but but candidly, not only did Condado tacos um, um, thrive through it, um, all, all the brands in the Beekman portfolio. Um, and the restaurant and the restaurant group um, did well. Uh, we had a, a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee um, business with about 70 plus locations. Um, we're a franchisor uh, of another Broken Egg that I also sat on the board of, uh, which which really grew through acquisition during that time as well. Um, and we had Ted's Cafe Escondido of at Oklahoma City, uh, which also thrived through the, through that um, through COVID, and then. I really do during, during those times developed a great relationship, so much so with, with Condado and, and with Condado growing so fast and scaling, I decided to join the team full time as the president and CEO. So currently I'm the president and CEO of Condado Tacos Tequila. I am also a um, industry operator and um, a partner with uh, the Beekman Group as well. Well, from an industry perspective, 
and this is not my words. This is somebody that told me this long before we started working with her at Kendados. Everything you touch turns into gold. <laughs> so what is your recipe for success behind building a profitable and successful company? Well, I mean, those are kind words. Um, you know, it's going to sound cliche and so oversimplified, but there's, there's, there are basic principles that hold tried and true that a mentor of mine, Alan Bernstein, taught me. Um, one is integrity. Um, transparency is so key. When you're able to communicate what you're trying to achieve in a transparent way, you gain alignment from people. And, you know, culture is a word that has been around forever, but probably overused. Um, but it really, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's around alignment. And to gain alignment, you, I think it's driven through integrity and transparency. Uh, so folks understand where you're coming from, what you're trying to accomplish. You know, if it's a better steak, maybe it's a better steak. If it's a better taco, it's a better taco. But people are what make the difference. And I think the secret to my success has been able to connect with people. And once you get a group of folks with some aligned values um, and, and, and get the alignment in your goals and alignment and how we're going to achieve those to goals together um, and, and candidly get excited about each other's growth not only the growth of the business, but the growth of their development, their personal development, um, it really creates this sort of layer, uh, layers of success uh, where one can, you know, not only see how the company can achieve growth by new restaurants, but how do I achieve personal and professional growth, whether it be increased responsibility um, or putting myself in a position to continue to learn to better myself as a professional. And when you are able to convey that to folks in a transparent way, deliver on that, do the things that you say you're going to do, it really creates a recipe for success. Um, and that, that's, that's what's been tried and true for me. So it's interesting that you brought up the fact that culture is so important to an organization. I have seen companies that have changed their culture midstream and literally lost all of their good employees. Sure. Um, I've also seen companies that they thought they had a good culture built, but they were only fooling themselves because deep down, nobody there was happy, <laughs> which I, I don't know where that, where it's lost in translation. Maybe it's, uh, not having that communication path with the employees or what that looks like. But now, Chris, you've, you've been around for many years from a restaurant perspective and you've been lo around long enough to see the adoption of technology in the food mm. industry. I think we've also seen a rapid development of solutions um, and operator uh, adoption over the past few years as well. How have you seen technology improve the industry as a whole? You know, it is exciting. I, I, I will say that, you know, I'm old school. So 10 years ago, if you were to ask me about some of the things that we're doing today, it probably would have felt like a, a bridge too far. Um, you know, Am I gonna, are we gonna lose the personal connection with the guest or, or, or are we gonna allow technology or something in someone's hand, you know, take away the human element? Um, but fast forward and, and, and certainly COVID accelerated this, but, um, but fast forward to today, I'll tell you it's really, really exciting because done right, you could actually increase your engagement with the guests. So I think there's a few places that technology really plays a role. So from a consumer facing standpoint, guests want frictionless um, 
opportunities to transact, period. <laughs> I mean, you can basically buy a car today from a vending machine, right? Right. So how, do, how does that translate to a, a guest service experience when you're trying to deliver on hospitality? Well, if we could take the friction out, right, make payment easier, make ordering easier, whether it be online ordering, um, pay at the table, um, you know, KDS kitchen display systems that are generating an order faster, that are creating less friction in the restaurant. It allows us actually more time to engage with the guest, but in a different way. You know, the guest experience has gone from, you know, the average guest is a dine an hour and a half for two people. Today, it's less than an hour. Wow. And, you know, today, you know, we're, we're serving tacos and margaritas in a full service environment. Our, our, our average visit is 41 minutes. Hmm. Um, and sometimes, sometimes we'll even track it 38 minutes. And it's not that we're rushing them out. Guests are welcome to stay as long as they like, but they want, they want an efficient experience. And they like to control their pace. And with technology, whether it be handhelds at the table, pay at the table, KDS screens, we're allowing us to create a frictionless experience for our guests and take some of the complexity out of our service staff as well in terms of the steps of service and able to deliver that. Part two of that is the back of the house. There, you know, Today it's been harder and harder to find skilled work workers in the back of the house that really have a passion for culinary that want to stick it out in the in the throes and the heat of the kitchen it's hard yes. it's hard work so you know finding technology in the back of the house that's going to be able to keep uh, products fresh uh, consistent preservative free um, whether it be through automation whether it be through robotics um, whether it be through um, using uh, technology to reduce air in packaging. Uh, we, we happen to have a centralized commissary that we call a, a make fresh production kitchen. I was there today. Amazing. Thank you. It's, it's, it's really state of the art. Um, we really believe in, in not only safety, sanitation, but freshness, no preservatives, really crisp, clean, fresh food. And we've leveraged technology, not only to take some of the labor out in terms of like, you know, how we package items, um, but also how we produce items, but also how we reduce the air in our packaging. Mm -hmm. So when we prep food, we can get longer shelf life, keep food safer, longer, um, and still maintain the integrity and the crispness of a product. Um, I mean, when you look at an onion that's been freshly chopped and delivered to the store, I mean, it's still bright white in color, um, perfectly in size. Um, and crisp and, and tender, crisp on the outside and tender on the inside. Technology has allowed us to do that at a volume um, that would could not be replicated at the at the same rate and pace that we do it today with the consistency, no preservatives and freshness that we do today. So, technology is continuing to play a serious role in taking labor out of our business, but also creating a seamless experience for our guests. Right. So this is going to be a trick question because yeah. technology now infiltrates almost every aspect of the restaurant industry. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I don't know if that's the case. What do you think is the most effective use of technology? You know, I, God, it's going to sound so scientific, but data, you know, <clears throat> so data could be, I want to see the data so I can understand menu mix, so I can understand profitability, so um, 
so I can understand sales per labor hour faster or, uh, or in put data in the hands of our operators so they can see where their variances are or how they're controlling their inventory or how they're controlling their labor and the prime costs. But I'll tell you, more important to that is that data on the guests. Today, we are able to see guest behavior in a faster and more real-time way, whether it be how, how you're receiving a wait list or a reservation from your guest, um, how, how they're interacting with your app uh, or your loyalty program and gathering that kind of data. And it allows us to customize the experience for them in terms of whether it be an offer, um, a menu item, uh, or just engagement and gamification to keep them engaged. So, I mean, data is such a broad basket, but I, but I do think mining, mining data has become so critical in our business to understand our guests, um, not only to deliver, to deliver them the best experience in the store or in the restaurant in the, uh, or on the menu, but we're also using that consumer data to make real estate decisions, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's endless. So I know it's a trick question, but I think you nailed that because I'm a data guy. <laughs> so every, every area that you can gather data and it's just becoming every product that's out there, everybody's asking where are the data points? How do I get the data in sure. my data warehouse? How do we leverage that information? So good answer. So here's a, here's a flip side to that question. What do you find most frustrating about technology? Mm. Um, Is that a long list? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> the, the thing I've always feared about technology is what happened when it doesn't work. Um, it, it's really that simple. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, what, what are the redundancies that, that, you know, you, you, you become reliant on this day uh, on, on a piece of technology. Maybe it makes you more efficient, but then something goes wrong or it goes down. How, how do you operate around it? Um, you know, but I, I will tell you that, um, that was a greater fear for me, say five years ago. Today, I think that if you plan for a little bit of redundancy, um, I think you manage to those, you know, sort of um, hiccups. Because mm -hmm. usually that's all it is. It's, it's usually a bump in the road because the, the few times that you run into challenges with technology um, really pale in comparison for the successes that you really have with it. So. Um, I think the, the other fear that I have consistent with that is I, I, I hope technology never takes away from the human engagement. Yes. And, and I like to use the technology to be able to connect in a way that folks like to be connected with. I don't want to hide behind the technology. I don't want technology doing the talking for us. I wanted to match the pace and the desires of our consumer, but still being able to personalize that experience for our guests and not hide behind a screen um, or just put a kiosk and pray that they can figure it out. Um, how do we use technology to personalize the experience? I think is, is critical. You start removing all of those points. You, you start removing the value proposition of your product and your service. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. You know, where do you see technology or the future of technology headed from a restaurant perspective? And I'm going to back this up with another question. What do you wish existed out there that would make your life so much easier and maybe make the organization more profitable? I have learned being an old school guy um, that technology is evolving every day so on the one hand 
I am really excited about what technology is affording us today, right? Um, friction, you know, just pay at the table, remote POSs, um, KDS screens that are allowing wireless connectivity, um, sort of hands-free, if you will, to create a frictionless experience. I, I think as we continue down that continuum, we're gonna see less errors, um, more accuracy, in, in uh, delivering in the guest experience, uh, more efficiency. Um, we're in a penny business. So if technology continue to help take steps out of, our, out of the business, and th those steps could reduce labor, which is a, a huge expense, um, but also create time so we can invest in the guest experience and the develop of, development of our people, um, to create not only a better workplace, but a better uh, product, a better connection with our guests by leveraging all these tools. I think that's what I continue to get excited about. So those tools that are still, have not yet been made yet, that are still foc that are focused on how to make it easier, convenient, um, and accessible to the guests, I think uh, those evolutions are I'm really excited about. You mentioned it earlier about robotics. What are your, what are your overall thoughts about the future of robotics and AI? You know, some of these trending issues that are becoming more and more popular right now. Yeah, I think they're here. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I know I keep saying this, but if you would ask me about robotics 10 years ago, I mean, they've been, they've been at the National Restaurant Association show for years. And I, I kind of looked at it and like, well, maybe quick service. I don't know about full service. But I'll tell you, I, I, um, one, I, I've seen it now in quick serve. Um, where you know you have uh, products like Flippy, um, you walk right down the street. There's Susan at White Castle it, it, with Flippy. It, well, and and I I we are we are getting ready to test Flippy ourselves. Uh, I did not know that at, at, at Condado. Uh, we we spent um, we spent some time uh, hanging out at that White <laughs> that White Castle watching the watching uh, big Flippy. We're we're look we're we're looking into Flippy Light, um, and look what it, what, what's it going to do. Um, it's going to uh, create consistency, um, a steady product, um, you know, and it's going to take some friction out of the kitchen, um, and it's going to allow us to invest in our people. It, it's going to require less folks, but it's going to allow us to invest more in the right people, and hopefully create some retention even and, and even more consistency um, and, and better quality. So... I think robotics is, I think we're finally here where we're really going to see it make a real difference in, in many back of the house. And I think there's application not only in you know, fast, casual, quick serve, but I, I see the application going right, right through to fine dining sure. uh, and just taking some of the task work um, um, that no one wants to do anymore, candidly. And uh, that, that, that it's, it's not inexpensive to get. It's no longer this entry-level position that people wear the badge of honor and say, I'm going to work as a dish or a prep to get to here. Um, harder to get those folks that are really passionate about those things. And it's not only that. It removes some of the danger of the job and the position as well. 100%. And, and well said. Chris, I'm going to let you get back to your day job. I know you got to rush out of here, as do I. I need to go catch a flight back to warmer weather of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for your time here today. It was very insightful conversation and from what I would consider to be an industry rock star. Uh, thanks so much. No, it's my, it's my pleasure, and thanks for having me. And the industry has been good to me, and uh, uh, I just love it, and I'm lucky to be doing it. Thank you.
you know what? I left that interview and jumped on a plane. And while I was sitting in my seat flying back to Florida, I reflected on our conversation and the great takeaways. I started editing the show right away, and I got really excited to share this episode with you today. I really hope that you found it as intriguing and stimulating as I did. If you'd like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can always go to the website at skipkimple.com for all the archived shows, including the show notes. And you can also hear all of these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can always email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Next week, you guessed it, we continue to have some amazing talent on our show. The very well-known Carl Osborne and Meredith Sandlin come on the show to talk about their new book. Now, it's not going to be just a sales pitch for their book. Converting third-party to first-party customers, the gig economy workforce, and we'll even talk about the good and the evil of artificial intelligence. I can't wait to share that discussion with you. Well, here we are, officially in April. Before you know it, summer's going to be here. Then again, in Florida, it kind of always feels like summer. Well, today I'm escaping the heat a little bit and spending some time this week in San Diego meeting with some clients. It really is one of my favorite places to visit. Great weather and great food. You certainly don't want to miss next week. So once again, make sure you hit your subscribe button so you will be the first person to know when the show drops. Until next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. <laughs>